Shalom, love and blessings, Yahites family of Yah. This is Kingdom Talk. Welcome. This is Judah. And today we are going to be talking about the Apostles' Doctrine. And this is uh, going to be slightly different because what I'm going to be playing you is the um, audio of a teaching given by a minister who went to Bible Cemetery, I mean Bible Seminary, and it's what they teach and it's what he's teaching online. So even though I will be using his audio, his his voice, etc., he's claiming that he's done Bible study and that this is what it teaches. So I'm going to completely um, dismantle his false doctrine and the false doctrine of these Bible school. So um, brace yourself. It's for those who are listening, for some of you, it's going to be a bit of an eye opener because it seems as if um, this is quite a popular doctrine out there amongst Christians and Baptists, etc. Um, and his channel alone has got over 400,000 views. So let's get to it. Actually, I'm mistaken there. Correction, his channel's got over 400,000 subscribers. So this um, is going to be interesting. Just so you know, after every time he makes a boo-boo, you're going to hear a sound and then you're going to hear me correct it. All right, welcome back again. I'm Robert Breaker, and this week's sermon is going to be on the subject of the Apostles' Doctrine. And I've prayed and prayed and prayed about this message. This is something I've debated on whether or not I should preach. But I decided, you know what, with everything that's been going on and the last sermons that we've made so far, I said, you know what, I, I think this is the time. I prayed about this, tried to put it off, but I believe the Lord would have me to preach this message to you. Well, straight from the bat, he's messed up. You know, I could probably finish this whole um, debunking and uh, complete uh, breakdown of this false teaching. Um, but as far as I know, and as far as I'm aware, as far as I practice, when you pray to God, you're meant to get an answer from God. So if you're praying, God, should I do something? You know, Lord... What do you want me to do? You know, you're waiting for an answer. You're waiting upon our Lord and Savior to give us direction on what to do. The words I will I've decided because of what's going on, that should never even come into the equation. You wait on the Lord for him when you've prayed in direct in direction to do something especially when it comes to teaching because if you go ahead of the lord if you go ahead of the holy spirit you're just going to mess up and this is what it seems like this is going to be um because i haven't listened to this whole message i'm literally breaking it down as we go along so there will be any time i see uh, uh, he makes a statement that is ungodly or is doctrinally incorrect I'm going to interrupt and give you the straight truth of the word 
of God. Okay? In accordance with the revelation of Jesus Christ and his commandments to us as disciples. Okay, so straight away he's 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 off the reservation there. Completely, completely off. Well, let's carry on. A lot of folks say, don't ever preach a message on this. I've talked to pastors about this many times, and many pastors say, well, this is one of the most confusing things in the Bible. You should never, ever talk about this so you don't confuse people. <laughs> and I think, what? No, I don't, I don't want to confuse anybody. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the, the whole counsel of God. If it's in the Bible, we need to preach it. Amen. Well, straight away again. Um, I kind of think he should have listened to, obviously, his peer group or the people around him. Um, because if they find it confusing, where's the Holy Spirit in all of this? The Holy Spirit is the one that we have been given, who's been sent by the Messiah to us, who's going to teach us and lead us into all truth. So, if they're confused, if they're unable to break it down so that it's not confusing... Maybe he should just have not said anything. Hmm. So straight from the off, it just seems like a, a bag of confusion already. You've prayed. You didn't get, you haven't got a direct answer. You just, you kind of believe, or you believe that God wants you to do it. You're not definite in it. And then you've got your peer group saying, it's confusing. They don't dare to try and teach it. And now you're having a bash at it. It just, it just seems like a mess already. Now, uh, some people will take this to an extreme. So what I want to do is I want to preach this correctly. I don't want to go to the extreme that some people do. But I want to talk about this because I believe that this is important. Um, my last several messages, the first one at the beginning of the year, 2017, was Why Paul? Uh, the next one was Salvation and the Jews. Then I preached on what's called the Charismatic Gospel. And then last week's sermon was How to Start a Cult. I got a lot of people emailing me and saying, Brother Breaker, that was a good message. Hold up, wait a minute, brother. No, 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 no. So what if people are saying that was a good message? Do you really need people to um, clarify, justify, um, and give you confidence that something was a good message? Aren't we meant to be spokesmen from the Most High, yeah, from God? Mm. Aren't we meant to speak what the Holy Spirit speaks through us? What Jesus tells us to say? Hmm. We're not ratified by what people say. So, mm. no, no, no. Mm. We should only be looking for the um, applause and the recognition of our Lord and Saviour because that's who we live for so what if people say that was a good message and you're getting slaps on the back that's not the commendation that we look for well it's not the commendation that I look for anyway because I'm looking for fruit in people's lives rather than their plaudits of a message or messages that I give. If the messages that I give out do not give good seed, are not good seed and bear good fruit in people's lives, then all it is is just man's praise. So are you looking to please man or are you looking to please God? 
Well, a lot of the times the reason that I preach the messages that I do and teach what I do every week is, is sometimes through the emails that I get. And lately I've been getting a lot of emails from people who say, well, you're wrong, Mr. Breaker. We hear what you're preaching, but, but you have to be baptized in water to be saved, they say. And they don't see it. They don't see the truth. They don't see Paul. So I've been preaching a lot about Paul this year. I know, I know. And I figure this will probably be uh, one of the last messages about that for a while because there's all these other things in the Bible that I want to get to. Amen? But I don't think you can ever go wrong preaching the gospel of salvation which God gave to Paul. And so that's why I want to put this message up, the Apostles' Doctrine. I want to show you the difference between the Apostles' Doctrine and Paul's Revelation. I actually was going to write that as the title, The Apostles' Doctrine versus Paul's Revelation. So here we are. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. This is what he's trying to prove. It looks like he's trying to prove that the Apostles' Doctrine is different than Paul's Doctrine. He's, that's what he's saying. The Apostles' Doctrine is different than Paul's Doctrine. And he's using the Book of Acts it seems, to prove this. Um, this is going to be interesting because it's going to go downhill for him very fast. And so hopefully I can get this across to you. My intention is not to confuse you. You know, the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. But I was taught what I'm going to present to you today in Bible school. I don't believe it because I was taught it in Bible school. I believe it because as I read the Bible, I see that it's true. Amen? And I don't want to confuse you. I want to make this plain. And my motive is pure. I want you to be saved. So all those people out there that say, well, water baptism saves, water baptism saves, this message is for you in the hopes that you will understand that water is not what saves us. <laughs> Okay, you heard it there. He said that water does not save us. So which means this message that he's preaching or teaching, as he says, is for you and also for the Apostle Peter. Because he's focusing here um, on the book of Acts and a supposed transition between the 11 apostles that were remaining that Jesus handpicked himself under the direction of Yah and the Apostle Paul as being different to his original hand-picked apostles. So let's see what Peter says, because the book of Acts was written before the letters of Peter. I'm going to say that again. The book of Acts, the letter written by Luke, was written before the letters of Peter. So this is the first. I'm going to quote now from the first letter of Peter. And remember, he said that water baptism does not save. Okay? And he's just said it out there, cold, no explanation, just pulled it blank. So here is what the Apostle Peter says. He says, the like figure, this is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. The like figure, whereunto even baptism does also now save us. I'll say that again. 
the like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. Uh, and I will read before so that you get context. He, the Apostle Peter said, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism does now also save us. So let's look at a different you know me, I like to uh, compare translations. Um, so that was the King James Version. New Living, new, let me get my tongue together. NLT, the New Living Translation. It says in that same verse, and that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. So he said that water baptism doesn't save. But Peter says something completely different. So who are you going to believe? Bible college students who go out parading as ministers? Like he says, he's very well intentioned. But if you're being taught wrong doctrine and then you're going out regurgitating what they're telling you without going to the scriptures properly, then you're culpable before the most high. Let's look what the ESV, the English Standard Version says. He says, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Hmm. There's, who are you going to believe? That's all I say. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the Apostle Peter? who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, they dined together, they um, uh, slept in the same rooms uh, under the same stars, the Peter who walked on water, or this minister who tells you that water baptism does not save. The Bible school he went to did not understand, and he does not understand the nature of baptism, the nature of salvation. They have their own doctrine. And the uh, the apostles plainly said before that perilous times were coming. That people, there's going to be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this guy sounds very convincing. They're trained to speak very well. They're trained to speak in a way that is very convincing and very fast. And he, I'm sure you'll see as we go on, he will slip things in that are little words and little comments that will that are there to lead and guide your mind and understanding of Scripture. But they will be so erroneous and so fast, you won't catch up on them. You won't. It's just like a little slip of the finger, slip of the tongue to get in there. And steer your mind like a rudder in the wrong direction so let's um, see what he comes up with next interesting so he obviously disagrees again with the apostle Peter 
when the Apostle Peter was writing after the book of Acts was written. A few years after. Let's see. And just to quickly add, when I first started listening to this, because I've taken the audio from a YouTube video, when I first started listening to this guy teaching, um, I heard very clearly damnable heresies. Damnable heresies. And so that's what I'm breaking down and breaking apart and contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. This is a damnable heresy, what this man is saying. It's what? It's that other liquid. <laughs> the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. And salvation is not by what we do. It's by simply trusting in what Jesus Christ did for us. So without further ado, let me get started here. And again, I almost didn't want to preach this message because some people might be confused. So I've been praying and... And I ask you all to pray for me too as I study and prepare these messages. The last thing I want to do is confuse someone. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's what you forgot to say. <laughs> or sometimes you say too much and you didn't say... So I just want to make sure that when I preach and I teach that I present it correctly in such a way that it can't be twisted or taken out of context and in such a way that people will clearly see what the Bible is teaching. So this is why I am literally bit by bit word by word dissecting everything he says because i'm not twisting it i'm taking his own words his own context his own phrasing and letting you see and letting everybody hear take up your bibles you will know and you will see that what he's saying is a damnable heresy not by twisting but by explaining and showing you the truth of scripture and what Jesus commanded. So let's get started today. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. The Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. So there it is. There's the verse in the second chapter of Acts in which it says the apostles' doctrine. And it actually tells us about the apostles' doctrine. Is the Apostles' Doctrine the doctrine of salvation for us today? That's the question. Many people say, yes. And last week I preached on how to start a cult, and I showed you that the, what many cults do is instead of going where we are today, which is right about here, <laughs> put a little star there, and getting our doctrine from where we should get our doctrine today, which is from the Apostle Paul, uh, some will go over here or over here or over here, and all they, they all claim to preach the Bible. Every religious so-called Christian cult all claims to follow the Bible and they'll give you Bible verses of where they say they found their their doctrine but it's all misapplied it's all taking from some other dispensation or some other time period their doctrine rather from today well the more and more I listen to this guy the more I realize and understand how people are so deceived, how people are so misled by these snake oil salesmen, by people who have got these doctrines of devils, how they're teaching these damnable heresies. Um, he's talking about um, doctrine for a different dispensation, a different time. Let's go to what Paul said, because he's hanging his hat on Paul, okay? 
So now what does Paul say when he's training up Timothy? And this brother here was never trained by Paul, never came under Paul. Paul was handpicked by Jesus himself, pulled out as an apostle himself. So let's see what Paul says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now let's go to 15. He says, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We're not even 15, 20 minutes into what he's talking about. And he's coming up with some of the craziest stuff I've heard. He's saying that we're going off into different doctrines, different times that weren't meant for us. But the, the, the Paul he follows, that he says, he's hanging his hat on basically, says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that still the all scripture is profitable for doctrine. All scripture is for reproof. All scripture is for correction. All scripture is for instruction in righteousness. This same all scripture is so that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Wow. How deceived. And I'm just praying that if you were in this mindset and this thinking that this type of uh, teaching that the Apostles' Doctrine is not relevant for today. I'm hoping that even up to now you're starting to realise that you've been fed a pack of lies. If you are a minister who's been to Bible school, I pray that you hear this. You know, if you know someone who's been to Bible school, Baptist Bible school, or any biblical or theological cemetery, I mean seminary, uh, that you send them this. Tell them to listen all the way through. Because what they're being taught is doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils. And they are candidates. They are well in line to hear these words from Jesus. I didn't know you. Depart from me, you who worked iniquity. When they go up to him saying, Lord, Lord. He'll say, I didn't know you. You were working iniquity. But we did many missions for you, Lord. We went here, we went there, we did this for you. Yeah, but I didn't know you. You weren't doing it with me. You were teaching another gospel. You were preaching another Jesus. Please share this. Because even I am getting shocked at some of the things that are being said that are contrary to Scripture and to the commands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what we need to do is we need to look at the Apostles' Doctrine versus Paul's Revelation. So let's quickly read here, and I, I don't want to talk too fast, but I've got so much to get out there today, so I hope I can present it plainly uh, without getting ahead of myself. 
But let's see exactly what is the Apostles' Doctrine. Let's begin there in verse 38 and read all the way down to verse 47. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Peter says, Water baptism, and if you get baptized in this water here, then you'll receive the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost. Oh my word, what is this guy doing? He is framing it in such a way that is saying it as if let's read it again what he actually says yeah he says in verse 38 then peter said unto them repent and be baptized of you every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost he doesn't say then you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost he says and it's an addition to repentance it's in addition to baptism. But he doesn't say then. It's not a process. And he's framing it and saying something that is completely different to what Peter says. Peter didn't say, when you get baptism, when you get baptized, then you will receive the Holy Ghost. That's not what Peter said. These errors, these lies, these deceit, I'm, it's, I'm shocked. It's not even, it's not, I'm not even reaching one minute of him talking without him making an error. At so far, he's averaging about 40 to 50 seconds, less than a minute for every error that he's making. That's a lie. Just say what the apostle said. Say what the Bible says. Don't add, don't take away. Don't try and rephrase or reframe. Let's even go to some other uh, translations. It goes here. Let's go to the um, New International Version. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to um, the ESV. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And let's go to the New Living Translation. It says here, and this is why I always say about translations. I've studied the Greek, I've studied the Hebrew, all right, and I've studied this verse as well. And there is no um, uh, direct proposition to say then in terms of following on from the baptism, but there are translations that have errors, and this is an error in the New Living Translation. It says, Peter replied, each, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word then does not exist in the original um, writings. It is, it is an error. And it's those little, little changes that bring about a different doctrine. So I can understand if this Baptist movement and Bible college was using the New Living Translation, but they don't. They use the King James. They use the King James Version. They use the King James Version, and you can go and download um, 
apps such as Blue Letter Bible and other Bible apps and go to the original Hebrew, go to the original Greek and you will say, you will see for yourself that the word then, the, the dependent on you being baptized, then you will get the Holy Spirit. That's not what is said there. Goodness, Heavenly Father, you are God. Have mercy on these people. And many people today say, that's for us today. Well, how come then there are so many more chapters of the book of Acts? <laughs> you know, a lot of people hang their neck on the book of Acts. My old pastor used to say they hang their neck on the book of Acts. Because what they do is they read the book of Acts and they take doctrine from the early part of the book of Acts without reading the entire book. Because the book of Acts is a transitional book. There is a change that takes place in the book of Acts. And it's so simple, even a child can see it. All you have to do is read the book. And you see that transition or that change in the book of Acts. Oh, wow. Okay. So, if there's a transition, everything that was written in the book of Acts was written after the events were done. Then the book of Acts was written. So, obviously, this transition is just being recorded according to this minister. But then, the Peter the Apostle, after, after this book of Acts was written, was writing the same doctrine that was preached at the beginning of Acts and preached by Jesus himself. Not only Peter, but even Jude said, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And these were written after the book of Acts. So how can there be a transition and then the apostles were there preaching and teaching exactly the same things that the Messiah Jesus told them to preach and teach there's only two conclusions that this guy with his doctrine is saying he is saying that the apostles backslid or they were wrong in what they were saying and writing or that he knows something different than the apostles know and the only conclusion is either He's right and the apostles are wrong or the apostles are right and he's wrong. There's no, there's no um, in between. There's, 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 there's no compromise there. It's either one or the other because he's saying things that are completely the opposite to what the apostles themselves have written, borne witness to and testified. So then he says in verse 39, For the promise unto you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward, untoward generation. Verse 41, Then they were gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So this is water baptism. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now look at verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. 
and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had needed. They were communists. They basically sold everything they had, pulled it into one place, and became full-fledged communists. Commune, living in a commune. Come on now. Why would you use a political, a modern political uh, uh, movement and try and relate it as in terms of that's what they were? You, you shouldn't do that. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, I know, yeah, I know what exactly what he's going to come out with about um, Marxism and Marxist and, and try and say, you know, um, obviously, you, I'm not saying they were Marxist, but why even use the phrase communist? Why are you twisting people's head in, in that way in the first place? This is when you hear, this is when you, seductive spirits, doctrines of devils, giving damnable heresies. This really is disgusting. Giving away to each as they had need. Verse 46, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness, singleness of heart. Verse 40, 47, Praising God and giving favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. Now let me show you what I find from reading that verse, that is the Apostles' Doctrine. I guess this is as good a place as any to put the Apostles' Doctrine. Actually, I'm going to put it right here. There is five things that I see there in that verse that are the Apostles' Doctrine, or basically what the, what the Apostles did and taught. Now remember, I preached not too long ago about what doctrine is, sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is not just what you believe, it's what you practice. So the Apostles' Doctrine was what the Apostles did and what they preached. Well, the first thing they did, Peter... They preached that water, baptism, was how you got the Holy Spirit. Again, you see the slick lies of the tongue. He did not say that water baptism is how you got the Holy Spirit. Find me where it says in Scripture that that's what Peter or the other apostles said, that that is how you got the Holy Spirit. doesn't say that liar and you came from a school of liars it's getting, I'm listening to this and again it's it's like the Holy Spirit is agitated it's like it's upset it's not happy that's why the Jude says to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered don't lie these liars are out there deceiving people. This man alone has over 400,000 subscribers. This is one man from one Bible college that's been around for how long teaching these erroneous lies. So up shows Peter in Acts 2.38 and starts telling people you've got to be baptized in water. They also had signs. I guess I could write miracles too or wonders. But they had signs. There was also great fear. <laughs> Which is quite interesting, because when you get over to Paul, actually even in John, when you read the books of John, the Bible says, perfect love casteth out fear. In Paul's epistles, he's all about salvation is eternal security. There's no fear in Christ. When you're saved, you know you're saved, and that's great joy and peace that comes from salvation. But no, the Apostles' Doctrine had to be with fear. That's interesting. This is kind of painful to hear this man speak on how he's butchering and lying on the apostles, 
on the Holy Spirit, on the scriptures. Let's hear what Paul himself says. Let's hear what Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is the Apostle Paul. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And let's top this off because the same word for fear in this verse here is the same word that Luke uses in that same Acts chapter 2 when much fear came upon the believers, the disciples. Come on. This is ridiculous. He literally doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and you know, it's a part of me is like, you know, I can't really blame this guy because it's what he was taught. But he said at the beginning that he searched the Bible himself. You know what? I know this is something I need to add in here. Just because you go to Bible school does not mean that you are qualified to teach. It doesn't mean that you are qualified to be a pastor or an evangelist. The scriptures plainly tell us, and this is the Apostle Paul as well, in Ephesians chapter 4, that Jesus is Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Jesus does that. He is the one who equips people to do that. Specifically, you can't go to a Bible college and think that you're equipped to deliver the word of God, whether you're an evangelist, whether you're a prophet, whether you're an apostle, whether you're a pastor or teacher. A Bible college cannot equip you for that. And this is why this brother is making so many errors. Because you're thinking that you're going to a theological seminary is going to help you. But theological seminaries is where people go to die. That's why I, I call it theological cemeteries. Because they come out dead. They come out dead, devoid of the life-given spirit of God in word and in action and in power. Come on. And moreover, the fear that is being spoken of was not something that the apostles taught. It was a result of, it was the byproduct of the signs and the wonders and what Yah was doing. This is what Jesus was doing in the church amongst the body of believers. It was not what the, 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 the apostles didn't say, you have to fear now, you have to be frightened. That's not what's, what was said. Read it properly. Your first language is English. Then it was all about share. Share everything you have. I guess that's the word I'll use. It was sell everything you have and, and, and share it among yourself. So the apostles' doctrine was this was was like communism. Now you say, well, that's all. No, well, did, did you ever study communism? <laughs> Karl Marx said that he found communism based upon the book of Acts. That's where he started his horrible, horrible teaching of communism. Now, I'm not in favor of communism. Communism is one of the worst 
of all the so-called political ideas. More people have been killed in the communist regimes than in any other uh, religious or uh, government uh, system of the world. Wow, this guy is really something else. Let's see if the this idea of sharing was the apostles doctrine or whether it came from God okay and before I even go into that I, I just want to correct something he says that communism um, has killed more people than any other um, you know uh, governmental structure or whatever he actually said he obviously does not have a good grasp on history because the crusades democracy across the being spread across the world slavery the transatlantic slave trade how can he even make that statement come into his mind it's just that he's ignorant of history he's not just ignorant of the bible he's ignorant of history so anyway let's get now to um seeing whether what Karl Marx saw what is written in the scriptures is God is the Holy Spirit or if it's man okay so as I said before he should never have uh, equated the uh, move of God by the Holy Spirit led by Jesus um he should have never equated it to communism and com communists or communism because he's instantly taken it out of the word of God. So let's see what the Bible says. Let's see what scripture says. Let's go to Acts chapter five. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. I'm reading the King James Version. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Now, if this was the apostles' doctrine, if this was man's doctrine, if it was Peter's own doctrine, if it was just the 11 apostles' own doctrine, then why would Peter have said that Satan has filled the heart of those two and kept back part of the price of the land? He then goes on to say, and this is the kicker verse, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You hear that? He said, you haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. So this was not the apostles doing. It was God's doing. Let's look at what the New Living Translation says. You know, I like to go through different translations. 
It says the property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. New International Version. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just to a human beings, but to God. Let's try a different a version that we we haven't read on, on, on here before. Let's go to the Young's Literal Translation. This is the Young's Literal Translation. You can find it as the YLT. And let's see what it says here. So it sometimes sounds a bit disjointed, but it's because they're literally just trying to give a literal translation of each word um, and not trying to make it sound smooth. So this is Young's literal translation. While it remained, did it not remain thine? And having been sold in thy authority, was it not? Why is it that thou didst put in thy heart this thing? Thou didst not lie to men, but to God. So this doctrine, this teaching that he is speaking against was nothing to do with just man's idea. This was the work of God. It was the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through man. After the day of Pentecost, directing them on how to do things to set it up in the church. So he is literally, this Bible scholar is given the, the, the teachings of this Bible education, Bible school, theological cemetery, and literally speaking against the work of God. Somebody out there needs to contact him. Someone out there needs to contact him, contact these Bible colleges. Because they are literally speaking doctrines of devils. Literally. And what happened? What happened to both Ananias and Sapphira? If you go on and read in Acts chapter 5, Peter didn't touch them. The apostles didn't touch them. None of the disciples touched him. The Holy Spirit, God himself, wiped him out, killed him. So this, this is why we see so much coldness, lukewarmness in the church, where there's no power, there's no love, there's no faith. People are literally dead in the church because they are listening to these doctrines of devils. They're listening to these damnable heresies. Let, let's go on and, and listen to the nonsense because even I am absolutely flabbergasted that I am literally going, it's, it's, it's averaging a mistake a minute, a false doctrine per minute, a false statement per minute, a damnable heresy per minute. Wow. So I'm very against communism. But if you go to Karl Marx's readings, he, he went to the book of Acts to set up communism. So if I'm calling the early apostles communists, it's in the sense that they were communists living in a commune. I'm not calling them Marxists. But here is what we see is the apostles' doctrine. 
Verse 38, Peter, a Jew, preaching to Jews, and he's telling these Jews, if you'll get baptized in water, you will get the Holy Spirit. Then don't use the word communist. It's as simple as that. Don't use the word communist. And no, Peter did not say that. Read. Read what is written. Read what he said. He did not say, if you get baptized, you will get the Holy Spirit. It's a lying spirit. That's a lying spirit. Doctrines of devils, come on, speak truth. It was all about signs and wonders. It was about fear. It was selling everything you have and sharing with one another. Yay! The signs and wonders was not a doctrine. It was not something they taught. It was the Lord confirming. The Lord confirming. They didn't teach it. It wasn't a doctrine. It's what God did to confirm his word. Read the word, brother. I thought you went to Bible college. What is this Bible college? Is there anybody out there who could find out what this Bible college is? I think it's Baptist, but come on. Come on. So let me just give you the scripture, the word, to show you that it's the um, Lord confirming. And go to Mark chapter 16, verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. I'll read that again. Let's actually go to another uh, version. New Living Tr Translation. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. ESV, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And if you look very carefully, you will see and recognize and realize that this was actually after the Great Commission. This, what was happening, was after the Great Commission. And they went out, and this is the, uh, what version is this? This is the Amplified Version. Uh, I'll go from 19. It says, So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they, the disciples, the apostles, went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. Come on, read the word. Well, lying spirits, they're not really going to take everything in context, really, are they? But he, the, the sad thing is, 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 it's just becoming more glaringly obvious how much the church, how many de denominations, and I call denominations demon nations, how many demon nations are actually under the stronghold of the enemy, of Satan, because there are lies that pervert the truth and take them out of the truth of God. But because the people are trained to speak and they are trained to sound good, and how to present and how to to sound people believe it people believe them 
before we go on, let me just give you a little story. I remember when um, I was a lot younger, obviously being filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were priming me, the bishop and, and the elders were priming me to be the next pastor of the church. And so I was preaching and teaching. And I remember one time you get up on the um, rostrum, the stage, whatever you want to call it, and because it by the Holy Spirit, I knew and I felt like I didn't even know it by um, the word then, but the believers needed teaching. They needed discipling. So I didn't have that urge to preach as when I was speaking to unbelievers. And the, the, the bishop and then would actually tug at the back of my jacket as I'm standing there. And I literally had to walk to the other side of the stage, the rostrum, the altar, the pulpit. I had to walk away and I'd literally be um, teaching and speaking to the congregation at the corner near the edge of the uh, opposite corner to where the elders and the bishop was. Do you know... And so many people would get saved, and so many the the altar the before there was no before the altar call. The front of the stage, the altar was full. Because of teaching, because the Holy Spirit was touching the hearts of the people and bringing them back into right relationship. But yet, I had the men of God behind me tugging at my jacket and this is what they were saying to me while they were tugging at the back of my at back of my suit jacket they would say more fire more fire give them fire more fire literally that's what they were saying to me but obviously nobody could hear it because you know you know it's quite a large church and um they were behind me whispering come on more fire brother more fire give them more fire man god loves his people he loves you he wants to teach you and train you and build you up and strengthen you with the word he wants to strengthen you and that takes teaching think about it like this if you went to school if your children went to school and then the teacher was preaching to the class in the way that we see in many pentecostal charismatic churches how much would the ch children really learn? Think about that. And then it was praising God in the temple. Now, the, we that are saved today, we don't have a temple. The temple was a Jewish thing. I get kind of upset sometimes when I see uh, different denominations calling the building that they meet in a temple. Uh, there was a huge temple in Michigan, I think, something Baptist temple. And I always thought, don't they read the Bible? A church building is just that. It's a building. It's a chapel. We as Christians, we don't worship God in a temple. That's weird. The temple, according to Peter, is our body. So, this is the Apostles' Doctrine. Again, this was not the Apostles' Doctrine going to the temple. This is the temple that Yah himself ordained for to be built. Okay? And it was the habit, it was commanded of the Jews, as you call them, the Yahudim, the Israelites, or Yasharelites. It was ordained for them to worship at the temple. So this was practice, habit, 
this was what was done. This wasn't a commandment, a teaching, a doctrine of the apostles. Even Jesus went to the temple. And they continued going to the temple up until they were persecuted, scattered, and the temple was broken down. Come on, brother, get it right. This was not a doctrine. It was not the apostles' doctrine. Tell everybody, you have to come and worship at the temple. And isn't it funny, the hypocrisy of what he's saying? He said that if, according to Peter, this is the same Peter who's given the apostles' doctrine, who he said is outdated because now we should be listening to Paul. But he just quoted saying that Peter says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not just a liar, but a hypocrite. And I'm going to be merciful and say, or maybe he's just completely deceived. Now, is that the same doctrine as Paul? I mean, that's a simple question, isn't it? Did Paul preach that? If you read Paul's epistles, you find out nowhere in Paul does Paul ever tell anybody, get baptized in water and you'll get the Holy Spirit. When you study Paul, you find out Paul did have some signs and wonders. He called them the signs of the apostles. But Paul lost those toward the end of his ministry. Paul was all about telling people how to have peace, not fear. Okay, this, 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 this guy, come on, for the love of Yah, please. How come this, this, this thing has been up? This video of him and this nonsense has been up for, uh, I don't even remember how long. And yet nobody has completely decimated the lies, the hypocrisy. Okay, he says that Paul was all about love. There was no fear in what Paul said. Let's see from Paul's own hand what he wrote. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, letters, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in his first letter to the Corinthians. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 15. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you whilst he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I would do a drop the mic, um, but I don't think I'd be able to carry on with the podcast. So we'll just go on to the next ludicrous lies of this Bible scholar. Because this is what it seems like the majority of Christian churches agree with and listen to. Absolutely amazing. Paul never told every, anybody, sell everything you have and share it with others. 
Paul was a capitalist. Paul, as he went as a missionary, he worked and he had his own business. He was a tent maker. Now, yes, he took up offerings from one church and helped other churches, but he never told them that they had to live in a commune. In fact, he said, you know, you can work quietly and, and provide for your family. So Paul is very different than the, the Apostles' doctrine, than worshiping God in a temple. Okay, let's see what Paul himself says. He, 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 he makes statements that, um, uh, some of the statements you see, uh, I don't actually respond directly to because he's framing questions in a way um, that uh, states, now, right, so I'm bald and I don't go to the barbers. I don't really need to. And nobody can ever say that I'm against barbers because I don't promote them. I'm against barbers because I don't go there. It's just that I don't have a need to go there. I have no requirement to go there. So if somebody came and said, you hate barbers because you never go there. You hate barbers because you never, you, you never um, uh, support them. It's nothing to do with it. I'm bored. The situation of my life and my hair follicle means that I have no need to go there. So framing a question or, or framing an accusation or framing something, a word or a suggestion in a way that takes it out of the context of what is actually going on, is what he's actually doing. So it was never the fact that you never see written the fact that Paul was ever against anyone living in a commune. And there was a reason why he worked. There was a reason why Barnabas also worked. So let's see what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's writing, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not you my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are you in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord, and Cephas, or Peter? Or I only, and Barnabas, have not we power to forbear working? Who goes a warfare any time at his own charges? Who plants a vineyard and eats not of the fruit thereof? Or who feeds a flock and eats not of the milk of the flock? Say I think these things as a man, or says not the law the same also, for it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. Does God take care for oxen? Or says it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploughs should plough in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of this hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, and not are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. 
Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live off the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live off the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. So he never wrote, he never commanded that any of those that stuff, even though he could, he never, he never commanded it. It didn't mean that it was not to be done. In the same way, he never said anything about people living in a commune, people living together, pooling their resources, living holy. He never said anything because that was the, that was the given order of things. Come on. He says, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. He did not want to hinder the gospel in any way. That's the reason why he worked. That's the reason. He says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Come on. Get real. Read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. I could go on and read the rest of the, the chapter, but I encourage you, go and read the rest of the chapter in line with what the lies and the deceit and the slippery tongue that this man has just spoken. There was no need for him to write to, to regarding the um, living as, as one, as a commune, because it was the natural thing. And it was a thing of choice. It was a thing of choice, which is why Peter said, to Ananias and Sapphira, when you had what you had in your hand, didn't it just belong to you? No one was forcing you. It's a choice thing. As Jesus said to the rich young ruler who asked him, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. And what they did now was instead of giving it to the poor, they pulled their resources. And this was the command of Christ love one another the first commandment of the church and the 11th commandment of god love one another paul talks about in ephesians on how we supply the needs of each other you know for each other so if it's raining and someone's come to your house you didn't know it was going to rain here in the uk we sometimes can have four seasons in one day. And if someone comes to my house and they and it wasn't predicted rain or anything like that and the weather changes and I have a coat, I give that person the coat. It's as simple as that. I give them the coat. And if they've already got a coat at home, next time they see me, they'll give me the coat. Or if they haven't got the coat, that coat is theirs. It's really simple. Living in love is really simple. I could give you so many stories where God has provided things for me. And he's told me sometimes beforehand and not times sometimes beforehand. And he's told me, this doesn't belong to you. You've, I've allowed you to get this to give to this person. 
over and over again. And every time it happens, it's bang on time for that person. It's absolutely perfect because God uses us to provide for the needs of each other. And the problem with the church nowadays is that they're so hung up and they're so focused on the needs of those who are outside of the church that they neglect the needs of those who are inside the church so we have people who are destitute we have people who are hungry people who are going without at home in the church faithfully given tithes given offerings and that's a different issue but they're faithfully given of their time given of their resources given of their money and they are living in lack but yet there is such a big hoo-ha about we've got this drive to go and feed everybody outside. Read the scriptures. Was that how it's meant to be? Is that really how it's meant to be? Are the people in the house of God meant to be suffering while we go and deal with everybody else outside? Search the scriptures and see if that is so. Paul did what he did because he did not want to hinder the gospel and remember Paul's ministry was different remember where he went from remember that he was it was prophesied that he was going to go to Caesar he was going to um, give the gospel outside so he there was no way him living amongst the apostles and the disciples was no longer a possibility for him because he was taken bound for two years even he was at a house that wasn't his he was under guard and security he was being taken somewhere because it was the mission that God had had him under this was his walk this was his ministry we need to get things right and yeah, I know I sound a bit passionate and I get passionate about these things. I get really wired up because I realize that this is just one man who's gone to one Bible school. And yet this one man who's gone to one Bible school has over 400,000 subscribers on one channel, on one platform. So these are the lies that are going out and you extrapolate that number to how many people have gone to Bible school and then they have got so many followers and they're feeding them these lies. Yah God have mercy. I say, this in the, I say this to you believers who are listening to this in the same way that Peter was, when he preached in Acts chapter 2, when he was talking, he was talking to devout men who had come from across the world to worship at the temple. These people were devout and I know that many of you listening to this are devout, but I say the same thing, repent. Repent for the kingdom of God has come, it's near. Repent and obey the scriptures. Become a disciple, don't just be a, a believer, be a disciple. And learn what Jesus has commanded. Because he told the apostles, he told us all to teach the fivefold ministry, to teach all things that Jesus had commanded. And this guy and this Bible schools and these theological cemeteries, they're going against it. They're going against the very thing that Jesus said should be done. The church of God 
is the people. It's not a place. So these are the things that we look at when we see the Apostles' Doctrine. What was the Apostles' Doctrine? Well, that was it. And is that the same as today? You know, there are many people, especially Catholics, especially the Pope, that are Marxists, that are communists. And then they, they go to this and they say, well, see, Jesus was too, so we should just all be communists all over the world. Okay, and then we kill each other because communism murders other people. I don't think so. Someone doesn't have their doctrine straight. They might have the Apostles' Doctrine, but as you read the book of Acts, you see a transition or a change from the Apostles' Doctrine to a doctrine that was revealed to Paul for us to preach. And it's very, very different in many aspects from this. So that's why we need to study this. Like I said, I don't want to confuse you. I'm not trying to set up a, a, a cult and teach something different or new. This is just pure Bible. But this is what the Apostles' Doctrine is. Now, what did Paul say? Go with me now to Galatians chapter 1. Paul says that when God called him to be a, a missionary, an evangelist, a, uh, an apostle, that God revealed something to Paul that was very different. And God told Paul, now I want you to preach this. Now in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, Paul declares to us and confesses. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there was something revealed to Paul. A revelation to Paul. To Paul. And Paul is very dogmatic. He tells us it was not of man. So if Paul was preaching the Apostles' Doctrine then he would have preached this that was from the early apostles. And it would have been him accepting those men's teaching and believing that those men's teaching was the teaching for us today. But Paul says, no. No, there was a teaching that God revealed to me to preach that was not of men. It was from God. So the apostles' doctrine versus Paul's revelation. What is that? Okay, well, let's do this. Let's back up a little bit, and let's look at the apostles. Certainly, Paul was an apostle. But Paul tells us that he was a little bit different than the other apostles. And we will look at those verses. And he says that as an apostle, there was something that God revealed unto him, the last apostle, to go around and preach and tell people. So there was something revealed to Paul that was a little different than the Apostles' Doctrine at the beginning of the book of Acts. And as the book of Acts goes on and continues, and as we read it, we clearly see the change from what the early Apostles preached to what Paul got from God to start preaching to us today. Okay. Wow. We. Amazing. So, let's just do this. Let, let, let's see. Instead of for this one, I won't even quote scripture because he, he is saying that the uh, apostles Paul is what we're meant to be living now and apostle Paul's doctrine or revelation superseded the apostles. Anything written after the letters of Paul are heresy. So who wrote letters after Paul had revealed 
the revelation that he had got. So Peter wrote two letters. The book of Hebrews, the letter to, he- the letter to the Hebrews was written. Jude's letter was written. And 1st, 2nd and 3rd John were written. And the revelation of John was written. Now take note, these were all apostles writing. These were all the apostles, these were some out of the apostles who walked, talked, sat and laughed, drank, ate, sung, worshipped, praised with Jesus, with the Messiah. So if their doctrine, if their teaching was outdated, why would they still be writing afterwards and still confirming what they had taught and preached before Paul was even called into the ministry? Think about that. This is this is why you have to be very careful of who you allow who you allow to pour seed into you, whose doctrine you're listening to, because he makes no sense whatsoever. Even his um, theory about there being a transition makes no sense, because God is not the author of confusion. There's no way that if God is saying, "Look." I am uh, doing something new. He's not going to tell somebody to to go and do the old thing when he's bringing something new in. It's all one. Their doctrine, their preaching, their teaching was all the same. It was one because it came from the one source. It came from Jesus Christ who commanded them to teach, to observe all that he had commanded. This man is telling you something different. This man is telling you literally something different than what Jesus said. He is telling you, he he is literally, and I'll say it, his teaching is anti-Christ, anti-Messiah, because he is negating what the Messiah himself said and commanded the apostles to do and to teach. Be careful who you allow to sow seed into you, whose teachings and doctrines you take to be truth. If it's not in line with scripture, then it's not in line with God. And let me clear up, and just so anybody, nobody writes in, calls in, says anything, comes in. The revelation of John was the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John. If you read Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It was John's revelation. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. Again, the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. Okay, which God gave to him. Okay, so just to clear that up. Okay, just making that very clear. But again, this is the same John who walked and talked with Jesus and who was commissioned to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations, to teach them all things that Jesus had commanded them to observe. So nowhere does Jesus say that he has changed his mind about anything. Nowhere in the scripture does God say, I've changed my mind, you know, I've changed my mind. 
in in terms of my my uh, my will for mankind through Jesus Christ. He says, "I am God; I changeth not." He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, what this guy is saying is absolutely ludicrous, ludicrous, and he's just selling a doctrine that has no proof in scripture he is just framing ideas with questions that not even his doctrine can ratify and solidify in scripture i know that might sound confusing but when we get to the end of this study i believe you'll understand let's go back to the book of luke luke chapter 6 verse 13 through 6 who are the early apostles who were the first apostles Luke 6.13 begins and says, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. This is Jesus. And of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. So the twelve apostles were the twelve disciples of Jesus. So the disciples are apostles. You know, there are people today that say, Well, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Uh, well, then, are you an apostle? Uh, no, there's no apostles left today. If you get a chance, check out my video, Are There Apostles Today? I clearly prove from the Word of God that they're not. Paul was the last apostle, and the Bible says there were people that came up after Paul and went around going, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle, and the apostle John said, No, you're not. You're a liar. You're a liar. So there are no apostles today. So you've got to be careful of that. Now, Wow, wow, wow. This gets... Worse and worse as he speaks. And it is sad, it's heartbreaking to know that there are people who have come up under this man's ministry, this doctrinal doo-doo that is being spouted by missionaries sent out from these Bible colleges, from these theological cemeteries. Let us go, and he states that the disciples were called apostles and that there are no more disciples. He says that there are no more disciples. That means he's saying that Jesus must have been a little confused. When we actually go into Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19, and 20, um, we'll see something different. And it reads, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That came straight from the mouth of Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, our Lord, our soon coming King. So, let's look at this in the New Living Translation, because I'm going to show you something uh, uh, from the original language as well so that 
you are very clear on what it is you are reading reading and understanding. And let's go from uh, 16. Then the 11 disciples, this is the New Living Translation. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. I'll repeat that. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And just to top it off, let's go to the Amplified Version, the Amplified Translation. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted that it was really he. Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, which is all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. I'll repeat it again. Go therefore, this is Jesus, not this Bible scholar um, with these dead theologies, criminologies virtually. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my words baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. Now, it's not a habit of me to go into the the actual uh, Greek or the Hebrew. Um, that's why I like to deal with different translations. But when somebody has made an error stating that there are no more disciples because the disciples were uh, apostles, um, he needs to get checked and checked hard. So why have I repeated that verse in Matthew 28, 19? that of go ye therefore and teach all nations, this is the King James Version, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Because where it says and teach, that comes from the phrase, a word um, that is uh, a Greek word stated that is pronounced matateu, matateu, I'm probably butchering it. But that's what it is, is matateu. And it literally means to be a disciple of one or to make a disciple, to follow his precepts and instructions or to teach and instruct, and instruct to make a disciple. That's literally what it means. If you don't believe me, believe Strong then. Strong's definition says intransitively. So in other words, it's in the process of becoming to become a pupil transitively to disciple, to enroll as a scholar, be disciple, instruct, teach. 
That's what it means. So he then is going against what Jesus himself said. Of course, there are disciples now because the disciples then who were apostles. Apostle basically literally means to be sent. That's what it means. He, they, were, they, they were called disciples, but then they became, he named them apostles because he was sending them. They were sent ones now. So these, you can't get apostles like this anymore because these apostles were the ones that walked, talked, sat, sung, and supped wine and did everything along with their master, the Messiah. And now he calls them apostles because he has sent them. He's sending them into all the world. Doesn't mean they're not disciples, but they're apostles, they're sent. And the, the Apostle Paul gives the definition of what an, a, an apostle is. They have to have seen Jesus. They have to have been commissioned to him by him directly. And I've heard of apostles or so-called apostles who say they were commissioned by Jesus. And then it's just when you read or hear about what they say, it's they, they flip and flop and they change because they weren't, they're not really apostles. When you've come face to face with Jesus, you remember every word. You remember every nuance of it. Because it's something given by God and it's indelible. So you cannot go to the left or the right and you can't say or do anything apart from that. So what he's talking about is absolute nonsense. Absolute, ridiculous, fabricated from the pits of hell nonsense disciples we are called to be disciples you see th this doctrine that he's saying is what change changes disciples into believers and then they are taught different things doctrines of devils damnable heresies because if it comes down if the point is now if you are recognized as a as as just a believer it's just what you believe but when you're a disciple, it's what you do, not just what you believe, is what you do based on what you believe. So we are meant to be disciples of Christ, every one of us, not simply believers. The apostle, One of the apostles wrote that even the demons, devils believe and they tremble. So how are you any different to a demon or a devil if you just believe and you don't do, if you're not disciplined, if you don't know what to do, how to live, what Jesus has commanded you and I to do as men and women, husbands of wives, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, parents and children. Come on, what will you think about it? We're disciples, disciplined ones, and this is what we are called to be. This lie, the lies, you've got to understand that lies 
they really do affect a lot. I hope that's clear. If you've got any questions, please get in touch. But this guy, um, Robert Breaker, you know, I have partial sympathy for him. Partial. Because the, the reason it's only partial is because I would have had four if he had been said, if he had said that, right, this is what I was taught at Bible school and he was just regurgitating it, I would have some sympathy. But the fact that he said, I've studied the Bible and this is what the Bible says and he is now regurgitating these heinous lies, these doctrines that take you outside of the covenant of the Most High is absolutely ludicrous and disgusting. All right, so I'm not even going to mention the name of his ministry um, simply because, you know, find him online, tell him, let him know that he's in error. Let him listen to this. Um, this is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. But now I understand where strong delusion comes from and doctrines of devils and, and how badly it is in the wider body of Christ. So this has actually turned out to be a little bit longer than I anticipated because this, as I said during this, there's literally a mistake, a lie, uh, an error, a heresy every minute between 45 and seconds and a minute. So, you know, I'm having to split this up. I really have to split this up um, because it's just so peppered and seasoned with heresy and doctrine that... You know, just for your sakes, I, I'm going to put it into bite-sized, manageable chunks. So if you have any questions, any queries, please, by all means, um, get in contact. Go to yahites.org. That is Y-A-H-I-T-E-S.org. There's different ways that you can get in contact. You can even record audio messages, and I will play them. As long as there's no profanity, I will play them so that, you know, you will be able to uh, ask your questions, etc. And I won't paraphrase or take things out of context or put a different tone or tonal spin on anything that you've said. So, you know, stay tuned for number for part two um, of the Apostles' Doctrine because I'm I am going to break apart everything that he says bit by bit as I've been doing and uh, hopefully you found this informative hopefully it has enlightened you and given you truth and encouraged you to search the scriptures like the Bereans to make sure that what you hear is so so until the next episode of Kingdom Talk Shalom, Love and Blessings